0: hello and welcome to this force wrap-up podcast it's the one we've all been waiting for i'm james emmett i'm a little bit hoarse and with me is my great good muck david kushlin david how are you
1: i'm well james but how and i feel this is an important question today how are
0: you how am i within myself yeah i'm all right david but as you know you know We're here in, um, it's actually my hotel room here in New York post event. Thank you. Do you like what I've done with the place? Love it. Yeah, I've put things away. Um, And I thought it might be nice to record this podcast over a bottle of beer, Modello. Fabulous. Constellation Brands, brand Modello. Plenty of those knocking about at the event today. Um, And uh, how am I? I'm bloodied, David, because I've tried to open you. A bottle of beer, and um, I haven't remembered how to do it without a an opener. So, um,
1: a fitting end to a, a difficult week, uh, well, we personally put, we've for put you. We put blood,
0: sweat, and tears into this, haven't we? We have, uh,
1: essentially, as a little context for uh, listeners, maybe people who haven't been with us in New York this week at Force uh, for ninety-five percent of the event. Uh, Macaulay here, James has had precisely no voice uh, but it's coming back isn't it you're you on the what, you're on the road to recovery
0: it is a disarming experience obviously having no voice whatsoever is tricky but it's a, it's a peculiar thing and you really realize that a conference is one of the worst environments to have no voice whatsoever
1: well it's the combination of uh, background hubbub in the networking music uh-huh. and also in your case you were you had been uh, allocated uh, two or three sessions to moderate uh, which means uh, projecting into a microphone uh, which you were unable to do but you rallied at the end manfully if i may say uh, to uh, to get on stage Not sure i, was, we I was... say that
0: anymore david i think we say personally but do thank apologize. you very much i do apologize yes.
1: so a bit of context yeah what uh,
0: is force please force
1: is the collision or the merging together, or the overlap between sports, entertainment, lifestyle, and culture. And we have been uh, working on this uh, for some time, uh, bringing the force philosophy to the event experience, and doing so uh, in New York, no better place. Uh, We've been at uh, a fantastic venue, actually, Chelsea Industrial, which Uh, has been our home for uh, the last couple of days. Uh, 350-odd people with us. Real cross-section of the industry of the industries, actually, because we had not only uh, what you might say is our core leaders in sport audience of uh, of sports industry professionals, but also uh, what I would describe as a healthy smattering of uh, people from the worlds of music, entertainment uh, in general, big media, fashion, a lot of agencies, a lot of brands in the room as well. The idea was to explore some of the ways in which sport is connecting with these other uh, sectors or verticals or areas, spaces. And hopefully, we were able to do that uh, in part via quite an eclectic, by our standards, um, conference program.
0: Can I just hit you over the head with a truth bomb right now, David? Go for Can it. Can I be honest? Are we in a frank environment?
1: We've asked for honest feedback from people.
0: Yeah. Um, we may as well be honest ourselves. And I suspect we're going to get it. What I'm going to say now might shock you, but force, odd name great event can i say that
1: yes i yes. mean it's certainly a moderated version of what you've been saying off there <laughs> but yeah it's a, yeah. it's a uh, it's a name that requires a little
2: context thought, but you know not everything needs to be easy right
0: not exactly. every- do we need to be spoon feeding things to everyone that's not what the guys at Dazone thought
1: no exactly no. exactly
0: and they probably paid their brand agency almost as much as we paid ours that's true <laughs> <laughs> almost,
1: almost. Certainly. Anyway,
0: but as you've said, David, force is all about the um, space where growth happens. Exactly, where sport crosses over with exciting areas such as um, lifestyle, fashion, music, entertainment, etc.
1: And in a way, there is no name for that.
0: Yeah, it's more of a feeling, isn't it? It's exactly. a concept. Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's a smell. It's why we
1: described it in the literature as an event experience. It is. An and event to be honest, I feel. We did give people an experience
0: yeah what it really is about i think at the heart of it and what we found out that it was going to be about when we were programming um this event experience is collaboration essentially it's the nuts and bolts and byproducts and objectives of um collaborations partnerships relationships between sports entities entertainment entities and um, talent um, creative agencies, etc. cetera. And what we want to do in this podcast is, uh, ex- well, give, give everyone a flavor of what went on at this event experience here in New York, um, but explore some of the key themes that came to light across the two days. And collaboration um, and how collaboration works in practice was probably the overarching one. Am I right?
1: You're absolutely right. And it started right from the start, which was uh, Tuesday morning, uh, when we had uh, the president of Disney Advertising, Rita Ferro, on stage alongside her partners at the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference College Conference, and uh, the idea behind that session was to uh, go deep on a a real and true and deep collaboration between media giant in Disney. They're in business with the ACC primarily through ESPN, but. Disney's tentacles are. um, uh, Disney's what? Tentacles are being uh, stretched across the ACC and ACC partners. And there was a particular case study around uh, Ally, the um, financial company, um, which is a partner of the ACC, but now really taking advantage of the myriad media opportunities that a joint venture with Disney offers. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that really, I think, set the tone for the uh, conversations about, as you say, the, c- yes, where great collaboration is happening. But I think what we tried to do in lots of the sessions was, as you say, to get into the weeds of exactly what that looks like in practice.
0: Mm, interesting that you see Disney as a kind of an octopus figure. Yeah, I wasn't sure, sure if I was, the top yeah, I yeah. wasn't
1: sure where I was going with that. I liked it. Under All the right. sea, probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, We also had a a number of brand representatives. Obviously we had Disney and the ACC talking about the work that they're doing with advertisers and sponsors. Um, And we also have advertisers and sponsors across the program. Um, Arguably one of the most impressive um, was Chris Davis, who's the CMO of New Balance. In fact, we had a couple of news um, on the program. We had New Balance and New Era. Chris Davis from New Balance and Mark Maidman from New Era. And I thought they were both excellent. Um, anyway, Chris Davis uh, was up with Mular Kicks um, for a, which is a, a, a female basketball shoe brand, um, for a session on sneaker culture. Um, but really, the you know, the majority of it was a discussion on how partnership works to um, build brands in the sneaker world. And Chris Davis was excellent on that. Um, We actually have a clip that we're gonna play now, which is Chris Davis explaining um, the approach that New Balance, the quite structured approach that New Balance takes to forging partnerships and collaborations across various spaces.
3: Like your marketing, your partnerships absolutely have to be a reflection of your values as well, because who you select, as your partner needs to say something about your brand. They are an extension of your values into the marketplace, and they're utilized to introduce you to new consumers. So with our partnership-based approach, we look at partnerships in three different ways. We look at global sport partnerships. We have 500-plus athletes, teams, and leagues around the world that we work with. We have cultural, entertainment, and fashion partnerships. That could be with someone like a Jack Harlow, Jaden Smith, Storm Reid or IU, the pop star you saw in the We Got Now spot uh, just behind me. And then the last thing, the last partnerships we have are in, 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 in streetwear, high fashion, and branded collaborations. That would be with your Emily Leon Stone Island, Miu Miu, Comme des Garcons, Joe Fresh Goods. I could go, I could go along. but that's essentially how we look at partnerships and everything that we do from a partnership perspective is co-authored so what does that mean that means with each of our partnerships we co-author our product, we co-author our strategy and we co-author our content to ensure that we're showing up as authentic extensions of each other within the marketplace
0: that was chris davis the cmo of new balance um and I mean, he, he spoke a lot of sense um, across the board, really. But one thing that I thought was really interesting was when he was talking about um, the endorsement deals that New Balance does with athletes, but also entertainment um, figures as well. Um, and he said that basically they put into the contract in order to get this kind of cultural fit that all good marketers talk about, you know, they're not going to spend money on um, entities or people that don't represent the values of the brand. They basically just guarantee that the, um, endorser represents the values of the brand by putting it in the contract. Uh, and the way that they do that is to, um, ensure that any given athlete, um, has to hang on where well, I've got it somewhere. Uh, Yeah, there's a clause in every contract um, dictating that New Balance endorsers have to give back money, give back product and give back time to their community. So Bukayo Saka, for example, the Arsenal player is a New Balance um, athlete. You see him doing work in the community, in the local sort of North London community with his New Balance bits and pieces on, which is all essentially funded by and stipulated for um, his New Balance contract.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting approach, isn't it? And it's sort of the the formalization of company values and the, I guess the commercialization and the, you know, the businessfication if that's a word of of company values like that. Interesting. Um, and probably something that we'll be seeing more of uh, from from other companies as well, but I agree. I, th- I thought that was a really interesting session.
0: Um can I can of give you another a tidbit from uh, Go for it from the um, New Balance and Mular Kicks um, session. Again, it was um, from Chris Davis. I think my voice might go again, David. Um, uh, so talking about product drops, basically um, a lot of what we're hearing from around the sports industry is that people want to learn from um, fashion brands um, about how they are driving revenue through kind of innovative approaches to product drops and marketing particular ranges and chris davis was sort of laser focused on this as well first of all a t- you know he ticked off anyone who thinks about approaching collaborations with a commercial mindset you absolutely should not be thinking about trying to drive return through this collaboration there's all sorts of things that you should be thinking about first but when it comes down to product drops there. They're straightforward for New Balance. They all follow the same formula. Any product phase has, um, or any product has three phases, the incubate phase, the growth phase, and the sustain phase. And in the incubate phase, that's when they might forge a collaboration with an artist or a designer um, or an athlete um, and uh, come to the point of doing a product drop. And in that product drop, they basically guarantee scarcity and Chris Davis says, if they're not selling out of a collaboration within hours, they failed. Um, and that needs to be the same across all collaborations.
1: Yeah, good. He was he was really, really good. And Wasn't he good? As He was really good. And um, as you were saying, uh, Mark Maidment as well from uh, New Era, another new, uh, was uh, on stage with us today. A really interesting session, I thought, this. And the idea... The
0: coolest dude on the pro- actually there were a lot of cool things.
1: Yeah, there were he'd be top 3 I think probably across the two days. Maybe we we'll get into that at the end, but um the idea behind the session that Mark was part of today was to start from the perspective of a, you know, in some ways quite traditional uh, sport, traditional major league sport, major league baseball, and try and understand a little bit more about their entertainment constellation, the people they work with, the organizations they work with, the collaborations they've forged with fashion brands with in the wider entertainment community uh, to grow the sport, a sport that is often cited as having a very high average age of fan um, and one that you wouldn't necessarily immediately pick out uh, when you were thinking about sports that have a a really strong focus and approach to younger audiences. But actually, there's a heck of a lot going on. And we had Noah Garden, the chief revenue officer from Major League Baseball, uh, alongside uh, Mark Maidman from uh, New Era and uh, Brent Montgomery, the CEO of Wheelhouse, a production company that he formed with Jimmy Kimmel, the uh, late night chat show host. And there was a lot of stuff in here James and I know you that you picked out again some uh, some examples or a you know a a little bit of uh, uh, insight from uh, from Mark Maimond about how new era is operating
0: yeah well the the whole session was fascinating really as you say people do consider major League baseball to be one of the more traditional sports within America um. And, you know, with a, an ageing audience, but they are doing all sorts of things to reach out to these new younger audiences. And you know what? Noah Garden, the chief revenue officer of Major League Baseball, could not have been clearer on the, you know, the, the hoary old issue of reach versus revenue. Any person in the sports industry has a take on this. Um, any sports organization has an approach to this. And in truth, most of them veer towards revenue. Um, But Noah Garden um, was absolutely unequivocal in stating any kind of partnership that Major League Baseball goes into, any collaboration is all about reach first. You must endeavour as much as you can to reach every fan or potential fan and revenue will simply follow. And with that kind of North Star, they've been able to forge really genuinely interesting partnerships. And what struck me from this session was that... um, uh, both Mark Maidman and um, uh, Brent Montgomery, Brent Montgomery, um, singing the praises of Major League Baseball in allowing, were um, not being too finicky over how their brand is taken and played with. Like um, they have embraced creativity, was was the phrase that that everyone was using in um, a way that might not have been predicted. Um, and it's led to some really interesting partnerships. I mean, Mark Maidman was talking about the relationship that New Era has had with baseball. It's almost 100 years old, formalised in 1993, I think, um, when it became an official licensor of the league. Um, You know, New Era and Major League Baseball are pretty much synonymous with each other. Um, Mark Maidman took us through a nice sort of kaleidoscope of... Um, New Era MLB caps from throughout the ages. There's a a, a sort of a seminal moment when Spike Lee, um, you know, New York legend Spike Lee, requested a Yankee cap in a red colourway, which obviously broke several moulds when it did. But New Era and Major League Baseball did it for him. And it became iconic and it opened up this new kind of... uh, box of creativity which um, the league and you have been running with ever since but I did want to play in a clip from Mark Maven actually who's really good in general on um, how creativity should work in collaborations especially when you're working where you're two sort of organizational stakeholders in bed with each other your new era your major league baseball major league baseball is maybe a little bit more corporate the new era is there's a, a sort of symbiosis to the relationship where you should be pushing each other um to to get out of a comfort zone in order to be as creative as you can and mark was actually really good about the creative process and he had this to say about creative meetings
4: all the meetings i have the creative meetings, i always end with a saying which is uh, is everyone happy and comfortable with the meeting and if they say yes i say let's have another meeting because we should leave here a little nervous a little scared some of that comes from when i when we work we have incredible people that come to us for collaborations I will start with, don't worry about the rules. We'll figure that out later on. I'd hate to tell you that there's things you can't do historically because things change and things evolve. So just do whatever you're thinking and we'll figure it out from there to get it to the right place to get all the approval. So I think creativity is at an all-time high and and that's because, like I talked about earlier, things are less sacred, still sacred but less sacred. Play with them, disrupt them, have fun with them and, and start with that mindset. Mark
1: Maidment of New Era, who, yeah, definitely makes our podium, I think, of uh, coolest people on stage uh, over the past couple of days. Uh, Another aspect uh, that we majored on and was uh, a big talking point, perhaps inevitably across the conference, sort of in the margins as well as on stage, I think, was uh, storytelling, perhaps inevitably. Uh, Everybody's talking about it. It's become a bit of a buzzword, as we all know, in the sports industry. And what do you know? everybody else in the rest of the entertainment stratosphere is talking about it as well and we had some really interesting i think examples of um both people who were fantastic storytellers on stage but also people talking about the process of storytelling and what stories mean and can do and can be uh, and james uh, yeah, we had
0: stuff about storytelling and we had great storytellers telling us that stuff right absolutely uh, not least,
1: uh, Darren Revell, yeah. uh, Action Network uh, executive, uh, senior executive producer, uh, but also a man with... Twitter personality. Twitter personality. I refer to
0: him as at Darren Ravel.
1: <laughs> and, you know, you can find him at Darren Ravel. But he came to deliver uh, one of our timed presentations. He turned uh, the energy up to 11. He certainly did, uh, talking about his collection of memorabilia and... Um, collectibles, his work uh, raising the value of uh, items that he's bought through finding, identifying, creating, and telling the stories that maybe are not immediately obvious. Uh, he also brought a lot of, uh, well, incredible, can I call it product? Product feels like it's uh, it's uh, underselling it, but an array of historic tickets and paraphernalia, uh, signed Tiger Woods, Masters, Passes, um, There were concert tickets, the Beatles, Ferris Ferris Bueller's Smelly Smelly Socks, whatever, but just an incredible array. Each item has a story uh, that um, I think it's fair to say Darren has, in the best way, uh, sort of embellished and and, uh, enhanced uh, through... Uh, his skill as a storyteller but um just a, a bundle of personality and it was a real it was a real pleasure actually to have him with us talking about something that is genuinely and clearly both a huge passion for him yes. but also uh, you know a really lucrative side hustle he
0: brought a, a bag along um holdall which he said had three million dollars worth of um items. And he wasn't it. joking. He wasn't joking. He also um said that he, thinking about it he thinks he's got 30% of his uh, personal net worth tied up in memorabilia. His wife thinks it's more about 1 or 2%.
1: Well, and he also told us for the title of his presentation that it was 25%. He doesn't
0: know. He's a man who's a bit loose with the figures maybe. Um but it was a really um sort of fundamental and stark way to break down the importance and value of storytelling here is an item that only has value if it is imbued with its full story and and I thought that was a really interesting you know Darren obviously brought a great energy to that um we had uh, a, a, a really great companion session I thought to the Darren Ravel one from um, from Jessica Jones, who's the the founder of Echo Society, which is essentially a, a storytelling agency. It's a an organisation that exists to help find you know stories um, wherever to help find uh, gold amongst the crab, as she puts it. Um, and uh, yeah, she was fabulous. Basically, she looks at these uh, sort of everyday items. Um, in the same way that Darren Ravel does, but instead of kind of uh, weighing up how much it could be worth, she um, size it as, sizes it up for what the story is behind it and looks to take that story to the big screen, the small screen, books, etc. cetera. Um, but she was fantastic.
1: She was great. And her claim to fame is that uh, in her days as a literary agent, she found the manuscript for... Uh, legally blonde in the trash, uh, which had been rejected, rejected, rejected by many an agent. And she found it. She thought there was something in it. She said in her presentation today that it was printed on pink paper. Uh, and she thought, yeah, there's must be something here. And she um, uh, polished it up and sold it. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as you say, a really fascinating insight into from somebody who, is a storyteller through and through, has a real passion again, passion for storytelling, passion for telling tales. Uh, She doesn't like the word content much. That much is clear.
0: Yeah, I misinterpreted what she said about that. I thought she said um, content. The word content is filth. Yes. But but actually... Well, she might as well have done. She might as well have done. She said filler. Yes. Uh, I kind of agree agree with her on that. It's corporate corporate language around um, creative endeavour. Um, and, um, you know, let's get rid of it. Let's let's start the campaign. You know, it's content is king, but let's have a bloody revolution, Dave. That's what I'm saying. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, one thing I did want to say about the Jess Jones-Darren Ravel doubleheader, they both um, basically indicated that there's no substitute for hard human work in this field. So Darren was basically talking about memorabilia being AI proof because it's all about stories and emotions, which only humans can obviously uh, put into things and have. Um, And Jess, um, without mentioning AI, was basically, you know, her mantra is, look through everything, search, scour your archives for gold. You will sift through so much nonsense, but you will get something. And here is Jessica Jones now. How do you not waste time sifting through crap.
5: That's it. That is actually the you only to way to find it. Right. And, and Darren was talking about this yesterday, that okay. the number of hours you put in has to be massive. But you don't find gems unless you really look through the garbage. There's this great word that someone taught me, which is fossick. And the activity is fossicking. And it's an Australian term for people who go to old gold mines, and they find what people left behind. And it's unbelievably valuable. So we are fossickers. Mm. And anyone who wants to go through their archives, where there is gold, it is guaranteed, unfortunately, there's no shortcut. Mm -hmm. But if you look, it's there.
0: Jess Jones from Echo Society there on sifting through the crap to find the gold, um, and she was great in, on storytelling in general. And um, one of the things that we talked about um, on stage was—I uh, did that session with her—was um, what? What are the indicators of gold amongst the crap? How do you know what you're looking at might be or might have a good story behind it? And there are some indicators. Anything that sort of has a bit of conflict, has a bit of controversy, um, things that, that stir emotion is always a good sign. Weirdness as well. Mm. The, the pink paper that um, um, that Legally Blonde was written on drew her attention because it's weird. It's unusual, um, and I think it's it's um, you know it's often overestimated uh, underestimated how compelling weirdness is you know, in, in storytelling. And, um, we had, (laughs) maybe this is an odd segue, but we had Fat Joe, um, cultural icon, rapper, New York figure, um, come to do an amazing session, but there was a link there between what Jess was saying about weirdness and, um, Fat Joe talking about putting out, well, he's talking about content, um, and, uh, claiming to have, Um, made the first viral hip-hop video. And actually, let's let's let Fat Joe tell the story. Here is Fat Joe.
2: Well, you know I'm a sneaker collector. Mm -hmm. And since I was a kid, uh, I loved sneakers. Uh, um, And if I could use some kind of a racy language here, I'm I'm a sneaker whore. I never seen a sneaker (laughs) I never liked, right? And so every time I open a new box of sneakers I'm like, "Wow! The new color! Like they I'm a sucker. Like they got me, right?" And uh and so collecting sneakers for so long, we had one of the first viral moments ever in hip hop history was uh we had a show called MTV Cribs of and I showed I would like to say I'm the first to ever show my sneaker collection. And at the time, I had a pair of sneakers that were like eight years old, the Barcelona uh, Olympic Jordans. And I took the sneaker, and I licked it just to let them know, like, this is this brand new. I ain't wearing this dead eight stock. years. Dead new. stock. I've been wearing this for eight years. And that thing went, like, viral to this day. To this day, it's crazy. And uh, whenever my brother Khaled got a sneaker coming out, he says, yo, you got to lick the sneaker. I'm like, yo, bro, yeah, man. <laughs> fucking, I'm a grown-ass man now. Like, you want me to lick this? you got to. They're going to know it's official. It's authentic now. So only for Khaled I licked the sneaker 2023.
1: <laughs> Fat Joe, who was on stage with us at Force. Uh, just to round off the storytelling, I think it's worth having a word about Eli Manning. Uh, I mean, talk about a, a polished, professional storyteller in every respect uh, kind of everything i expect him to be in terms of the ultimate pro behind the scenes in terms of the preparation for his conversation on stage fundamentally he was talking about the transition that he's making from athlete and of course barely needs me to say but two-time super bowl champion two-time super bowl mvp and in the uh, uh, you know, in his first few years of retirement, he has uh, m- sort of reinvented himself uh, in some respects as a media personality with the Manning cast, which he does with his brother uh, Payton, uh and essentially as a as a, you know, a business figure and entrepreneur. Um, but uh, a man who has a selection of great anecdotes and he has absolutely nailed the way to tell them
3: yeah
0: anecdotes i mean it's he had basically thousands of anecdotes just on the tip of his tongue i do wonder in the uk we would consider eli manning to be a top tier after dinner speaker wouldn't we absolutely um and a man who's clearly very practiced at um telling telling tales for laughs basically um and he was fabulous and he entertained the crowd um knew the gig he knew the gig and he knew which buttons to press and he clearly pressed them before. Um, but he was really good. Um, and, you know, we, we had plenty of athletes with us um, and talent in general. Um, and he was particularly good at uh, formulating advice for athletes looking to kind of tread in his footsteps, I guess, and make the transition from playing to a kind of multifunctional media career Um, and this is what Eli had to say about that
4: I think just you got to be yourself you got to be your own you know kind of whatever your personality is don't don't change from that I think if you try to turn into something you're not or 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 change um, you know it'll be it'll be sniffed out it it won't be genuine and so I don't think you have to be perfect I think kind of create your own your own style I think there's uh, nowadays there's there's kind of more than one way that you can do things. I think there used to be like, hey, this is the way you have to be. This is the way you have to do it. Um, now there's there's so many different ways um, that you can you know that you can be successful. And I think people are looking for those unique different ways to that you can whether it's a talk show, whether to do a post game show, to do a pre game show, or do announcing the games itself. So it's just in the sports world, uh, in the media world, um, you know now. You, you, I mean, I see it with, with my kids and they go on YouTube and they're, like, they're, they're watching someone play a video game. I'm like, why would you? I don't get it. Like, you know, uh, why don't you just go play a video game instead of watching someone else play for hours? And so uh, I, I think it, it is an exciting time in, in the media world just because um, you know, there's so many opportunities and you don't know what those opportunities are. So you can be a little bit more adventurous and, and maybe your, your personality, your style is, is going to be the new thing.
0: Two-time Super Bowl champ, Eli Manning, there on stage at Force, which, David, we didn't mention, is run by Leaders and SPJ, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The two of them got together um, to produce a number and a couple of letters um, and a two-day event experience. Anyway, Eli Manning came. Um, He was good. He was really good, wasn't he? Um, I want to talk about musicality, please.
1: Okay, Uh, tell me more well we had a lot of music content littered through the uh, program from uh, sort of core music business topics Um, Live Nation were on stage we had Warner Music Group Alan Coy from Warner Music Group talking about uh, their approach to essentially flogging more records do it on Roblox pretty much Mm -hmm. Um, but as you say uh, we had some recording artists
0: in the house as well We did. Um, We had, well, Fat Joe, the aforementioned. Um, uh, He didn't rap for us, though, which was, I mean, if there was one disappointing thing about the Fat Joe session, it was just that he didn't break out into song. Um, Because we were rather spoiled the day before. We were. When we had David Kelly, the Chief Business Officer of Golden State Entertainment and uh, senior legal bod from Golden State Warriors, um, on stage with his great friend, rhyme Fest. now the pair of them at uh, rhyme Fest is signed to golden state entertainment which is this innovative record label started by the golden state warriors and david kelly in particular but the two of them uh old friends they go met, way back in chicago met on the chicago rap circuit the chicago hip-hop circuit
1: so david kelly's side hustle it turns out when he's not uh doing contracts it's spitting bars is spitting bars and uh he and Rhymefest were in conversation and I thought a really interesting chat about uh, what the Warriors are doing, why they're doing it. And this Golden State Entertainment offshoot is uh, it's not just a record label, it's a full production house. They're doing a lot a lot of content, but by setting it up as a separate entity and uh, immediately diving into the music business, I think it really sets it apart and it's pretty much a model that is already being uh, if not copied, then certainly uh, imitated yeah. by uh, lots of other sports teams. Because so. if
0: Jay Z can do it, you know, if he can be a multi-kind of media mogul, set up his own label, his own agency, buy sports teams, um, represent sports players, why can't you know franchises? Absolutely. Um,
1: but at the end of the conversation, yes. we had a fan- we had a, we had a treat,
0: didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to ask me to try to <laughs> to replicate <laughs> well, that. <laughs> well,
1: we, we don't have a clip, unfortunately, of uh, David Kelly and Rhyme Fest spitting bars. Um,
0: it was amazing, though. It was really good. Yeah, it was um, a real um,
1: moment and not something that you see, I think, at, at every or indeed any other
0: business tell conference. Tell you what else you don't see at business conferences so much. We had a fashion show to close things out today. We did. Yeah. How do you think that went? I thought it was good, actually. Yeah, and
1: and and we can. I think we can say we weren't sure. Yeah, but we had. uh dustin godsey the chief marketing officer uh for the milwaukee bucks and he was on stage with uh the designer Bramer bremer. Bremer, bremer from uh unfinished legacy so good that they named him twice exactly mm-hmm. uh and uh bremer is based in milwaukee he is uh he, he's based in la actually well he's based in la but also milwaukee um but linked up uh, with the Bucks to produce uh, the In Six uh, line. Bucks In Six. Bucks In Six line. Yeah. Um, although I, it was, by the end of the conversation, being referred to as the In Six line uh, by, uh, by both of them on stage. Yeah, but so,
0: I guess that's just a bit inside baseball. Do you think?
1: Mm. Do you think? Yeah. Uh, wrong sport. But... Um, yeah, really interesting uh, to uh, have them both with us, and uh, yeah, we talked about the talked about the line, but then we saw it with a couple of a uh, couple of top models uh, on our you know what I would describe as a
0: mini, but nonetheless a runway. Well, if Jay Z can do it, and Golden State <laughs> Entertainment, then so can Leaders it, in Sport and SBJ. Leaders in Sport and SPJ become a multimodal. Um, are we? Are we eating IMG's lunch, David? Is that what we're doing?
1: Watch out, guys. <laughs> Watch
0: out. Um, on musicality and storytelling, I did want to um, make a special mention of, um, well, you know, would have had more of a special mention for CBI, Constellation Brands, our, uh, one of our founding partners, because I've got an ice bucket for their beers mm. here, which we could be drinking.
1: Well, luckily you can put your finger in that ice bucket Just having ripped dipped it to my pieces. bloody yeah.
0: finger into that. Um, But our other founding partner, GMR, um, GMR Marketing, um, really took the memo on, um, we want to do something a bit different than your Azure, than your, your average.
3: Or even unforgettable.
0: Yeah, they went to town on the unforgettable stuff. Um,
1: GMR Marketing put together a series, well, a story told over five chapters through the day uh, on the first day of the event and uh the whole the 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 umbrella for this uh story was the phrase be unforgettable be
0: unforgettable was all about making memories and how sports and entertainment um uh events uh really have that at their core it's very um it's not unusual for sports and entertainment events to be memorable moments and obviously jml marketing brand marketing agency they specialize in helping brands to integrate into those memorable moments but throughout this kind of five-part story that they told at different intervals across the event they really had some uh creative bits of work themselves and i just want to play in one clip actually from um chris mccoy um who does something I can't remember his size so, job title, but he does something very creative so, for them. So Chris He's got a backstory, has he?
1: Chris McCoy's <laughs> he has a backstory. So we've all got a backstory. Yeah. Chris McCoy I'm not sure I do, but Chris McCoy is a talent development designer at GMO marketing. Is yours, David. All right. Chris McCoy is a talent development designer at GMO marketing and he was Uh, on a call with uh, Tyson Weber, who's the CEO, president of GMR Marketing. And uh, Tyson noticed that he had a particularly sophisticated microphone on the the video call that he was utilizing for the meeting. So they got talking about it later. It turned out that uh, Chris McCoy's talking about side hustles again uh, was uh, spoken word poetry. He'd written a book Tyson Webber went and bought the book online and it became a talking point amongst them, so much so that when GMR were fairly recently putting together their their values, their internal company values, um, Chris was asked by the senior management at GMR to uh, turn those values into some sort of spoken word piece for uh, an internal meeting, the kind of internal meetings that we have all been in, I'm sure, Uh, and off the back of that, because it went down so well, he became part of uh, the uh, the team of GMR Story Makers, as they referred to themselves over the past couple of days, who were delivering this story to. Uh, attendees and uh, we had you know songs by the campfire we had s'mores being handed out we had uh, all sorts of data being uh, presented uh, to help uh, to help uh, tell this tale Um, but Chris McCoy's uh, performances I think were real you know I certainly had people coming up to me and saying that that was a that was a really powerful moment of, of the event where he stepped up and did his thing.
0: Yeah, poise and delivery um, from Chris McCoy, absolutely on point. So to round out this podcast, David, um, we're going to hear from a couple of... Well, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to say goodbye, actually, before I introduce our final bits and pieces. Would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. That's David over and out from him. Um, So to round out this uh, wrap-up podcast from Force in New York 2023, we're going to hear from Chris McCoy of GMR Marketing on stage talking memory making, um, followed by a conversation that I had with GMR Marketing's Chief Strategy Officer, Elkie Jones, um, also on memory making, but sort of delving a little bit deeper into what GMR were trying to achieve and a bit of the backstory into this work that they've been doing in memory making for the last five years, in fact. So here's Chris McCoy and Elkie Jones,
6: and it's goodbye from me. When you think about your life, What do you remember? Perhaps it's the first time you smell fresh linen on laundry day at your childhood home. And that scent of lavender and honeysuckle filled your lungs as you knew that night's sleep would be magical. Or is it the first time you tasted deep-fried pickles, Snickers, and bananas at the state fair? and thought first, who came up with this? And second, why does it taste so good? (laughs) Or could it be the first time you touched the hand of that special someone as you spent time at the park sitting in the grass, feeling the breeze? Or could it be the first time you heard your favorite band live at their concert and wondered, damn, How do they sound just as good as they did in my headphones? Or could it be the first time you saw something for the last time? You know that once in a lifetime moment that filled your body with joy and made your eyes light up with excitement? You see, your life is full of memories like these, strung together with string, woven into the tapestry that is you. Some memories, like bulbs, burn brighter than others because those moments really meant something. They're formative, foundational. They make up who you are, what you do, and how you do it. What if your brand could create one of these moments, one of these bulbs? Research tells us that when a person has a multi-sensory experience with a brand, they're nearly six times more likely to remember that brand when considering other options. At GMR, we call this the string of lights effect. With the string of lights effect in mind, we aim to help you be unforgettable. Because on all our strings, there's still one memory, one bulb, yet to be made by your brand in a moment impermanent.
0: Elkie, please yes. could you introduce yourself? Of course, I'd be happy Full to. Full name, rank, number, all of <laughs> Serial that. Serial number. Yep.
5: Uh, my name is Elkie Jones, I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at GMR Marketing. How many other
0: Elkies do you know?
5: One other Elkie that um, actually she also has my maiden name, so she's the original. I know, it's kind of crazy, she lives in Germany, she's a nurse. Right. Yep. Is it German? It's very German. Do you know what? We're
0: going to talk about memory in this little snippet and memory making. and. It strikes me that having an unusual name is a pretty good way to be memorable without doing anything, right?
5: It's funny you say that because it could go one of two ways. Uh, people either remember me because it is an unusual name or because it's unusual, they forget it. Uh-huh. So I've oh, had both. What was it, her name? Exactly. It was strange. It's something yeah. strange. Yeah, yeah. So I have had both experiences. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: Um, Elkie Jones, what are you doing here in New York with us?
5: So GMR is lucky enough to be one of the founding partners of Force. And we are very lucky to have you. And it has been an amazing partnership and great experience for us to be able to help, I think, brands and others. Understand the intersection of sport, lifestyle, culture, and entertainment, which is a massive opportunity for brands. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And for anyone who wasn't here for the event, um, it well, we have tried to make it a slightly unusual event. We're calling it an event experience. And our partners um, have stepped up to the plate as well and treated it um, in a similar fashion. You know the sort of things that you generally see at a kind of a B2B conference. You might see, um, you might see a little sponsored session. Um, you might see a little kind of physical activation. People giving out leaflets, etc. No, not no, from the GMR Ark.
5: Definitely crew. not. No,
0: you had several segments throughout the first day. <laughs> Um, and the intention, they're very sort of um, well-produced, well-thought-out. Some teething difficulties along the way, I think it's fair to say. Um, but you told a story across the day in in different segments. Some of it was acting, some of it was presenting, some of it was feeding. It was uh, <laughs> one of the most unusual things I've ever seen. All the I think things. it made a really big impact. But um, the s'mores were a smash hit, I think. Appreciate can that. you, can you, uh, just give us a flavor of what you were trying to do.
5: Yeah, of course. So we really looked at this as an opportunity to tell a little bit of a different story and really connect with everyone that decided to take the time to be part of this um, conference. And we have spent over the last five years plus really studying the science and significance of memory making Mm -hmm. for us as humans, but also the role that brands can play mm-hmm. in really cementing those long-term sticky memories. So in order to tell that story, we decided to take that approach. And our goal was just to make sure that everyone had a memorable experience. Mm-hmm. So we divided up our our um, time into five different chapters, each chapter unfolding or unveiling another part of the story that we wanted to tell. And the most fun part that you're um, referencing, the, the tasty treat, was um, in. I think an experience where I was inviting the participants into a really strong memory that I had Mm -hmm. told through my sort of Girl Scout summer camp experience where s'mores played a really significant role. So we got to um, sort of expose everybody to camp counselors and guitar playing and starry sky and the sounds of the forest and of course uh, a fresh tasty s'more made with a classic Hershey bar. Mm It's
0: interesting that a key part of the kind of five-year project that you've been on to come to this sort of um, report that you put out earlier this year um, on what makes um, you know memory making is the multi-sensory nature of um, what goes into it, right? Um, If you can somehow have all your, st- most of your senses stimulated, you're much more likely to kind of remember that experience. Absolutely. And that's what you were, you were doing with the smoke moment. It was, it was brilliant. Um, it, it, maybe it goes without saying that sports and entertainment, what we're talking about um, across the event here over the past two days, is rich ground for memories, right? Um, when people say, oh, I just want to go out and make some memories, usually what they're talking about is either going on a vacation or going to a sports game or going to a concert, right? What is it about sports, entertainment, big events that you think impacts people, impacts, you know, sticks with people?
5: Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, making sure that something is multi-sensorial is a part of the equation. I think there are a few other factors as well that you need to consider. And this idea of meeting people's needs and making sure that we are um, really tapping into things that people care about, what they're passionate about, what they're truly interested in, what they invest their time and their dollars in. Um, that's for me like the perfect place that sports, entertainment and culture, that's, that's a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in pulling all those different levers and making sure that we really understand behaviorally uh, in applying science to what people expect from events and experiences, and what they expect from brands, because they also have very specific expectations of how brands show up, and really understanding that and sort of applying that to the experience, then that is really um, for us has been proven to create maximum impact. Yeah,
0: you guys specialize in brand marketing, obviously. Um, how should brands show up these days? You know. The, if I'm if I'm having one of the most memorable experiences of my life, probably I'm not sort of thinking, "Oh, thanks, Geico, for this experience." Sure. Um, what is the best way to authentically integrate a brand into a memory? I guess.
5: Uh, another really great question. I mean, thank think, you, uh, you, Of course, mm. this is this is wonderful. I think there's some basics. There are things like you know, tactical choices and design decisions that you make to, to ensure that something is multi-sensorial, to make sure that there's lots of rich engagement, lots of touches with the brand, mm-hmm. to make sure that it's relevant and makes sense within the environment that it, that brand is, you know, activating or, or wanting to have an experience. But I think there's, uh, in addition to um, also meeting somebody's needs, things like the need for release or enrichment, or belonging, or identity, there are also other really interesting factors that must be considered. Things like diversity, equity, and inclusion, or culture shift, or um, uh, the need for or, or need for things like um, sustainable and purposeful actions by brands. Like, all of those yeah. things matter. And it, it really becomes sort of, you know, we, we kind of, um, Use the metaphor of a mixing board, you know, all of these dials and switches represent all of those different factors and we take a very scientific approach to understand how you manipulate those dials and switches to make sure we are creating the best, most authentic experience for that brand that really does create mm. that that it, long-term memory. And
0: there's a positive and a negative side to this as well, right? Because. Um, you can be remembered for doing a bad job
5: big, time. big um, time
0: especially in those areas that you just mentioned you know if you um show up i think one of the examples that you mentioned in one of your pieces was if you as a brand show up at a hispanic cultural event um and you don't do anything differently from what you would do at you know a trucker's convention somewhere else um you're gonna get, for people are gonna remember you for not caring enough, for not doing anything that fits, right? It's
5: dangerous because word of mouth is a powerful thing. Sharing on social is our reality and uh, you don't want someone to reject you Mm. for those types of reasons. So all of these things really, really matter. Mm. And I think um, as marketers, as storytellers, as creators, sometimes we assume that we're, we're doing everything right with with good intention, mm-hmm. but it has to be very purposeful. It has to be um, very, very well thought out. And again, you know, we have really applied the scientific approach to remove the guesswork and make sure that what mm-hmm. we how we're sort of advising and guiding our clients is really going to deliver a return on their investment and create those positive, happy consumers mm-hmm. um, and, and those strong, sticky memories.
0: Mm-hmm. And if I called you up in what exactly one year from now, okay, and I said, quick, we're doing a follow-up podcast on the Smash Hit podcast we did last year. I need three things that you remember from that event. What three things do you think you remember
5: from this, this a- event? I will remember um, having my photo taken uh, with, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can think of his name all of a sudden. You'll remember help it in a year. Help me. What's, who is it? Sorry? Rhymefest? Sorry. Yes. Rhymefest. It's
0: useful having yes. sort of a memory maker on hand.
5: Ex- thank just you. To, to appreciate either. it. Sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah. So that was a really cool experience to be able to just meet him. And, uh, you know, he, he, that was cool because he's like just very outgoing, very personable. Yep. So that was very memorable to me. I think the whole um, like networking experience was really, really great. Mm-hmm. This environment really fostered a lot of um, like, good, authentic connections, so I met a bunch of people I probably would have, I mean, I, I would like to think a year from now that we're going to still be connected, mm-hmm. so that was amazing. And I loved some of the lifestyle segments and uh, how this conference like is really leaning into culture, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the sports music stuff, you know, it's, it sort of is what it is, mm-hmm. and to bring like a fresh lens into it was really intriguing for me.
0: Um. I need to apologize, that was a hard question, I hadn't teed you up for that. I don't think you're going to remember those things. You don't think I, so? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a classic case of, you can't quite remember, but you remember how you felt. You know?
5: Uh, and how you might you, be right.
0: And how do you think you felt?
5: Uh, I feel kind of invigorated. Ooh. Yeah. I like that.
0: Yeah. yeah? Okay. And on that invigorating note, Helga Jones, thank you very much.
5: Thank you for having me, appreciate it.